0: Hi, I'm Jaheta Weaver, and you're listening to Tech Mirror. Hi, everyone. You may have noticed, or at least I hope that you've noticed, that we were off last fortnight. That's because I was in India taking part in the Australia India Leadership Dialogue, as well as progressing some exciting tech policy design projects with partners in India. I got to catch up with some truly exceptional people who are doing brilliant work on tech policy and I'm really excited to have them onto the pod to talk about their work. For now, please enjoy this fabulous conversation that I had on my return with Tech Diversity's Lulu Adeyemo. So my guest today is Luli Adeyemo. She is the founder of the technology marketing agency, Best Case Scenario, which I think is one of the best names for a company I've heard. She's also the director of Tech Diversity and Industry Alliance championing tech diversity. It's absolutely wonderful to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. My
1: absolute pleasure.
0: So we're going to start with the question that I ask all of our guests uh, to start with, which is what was your first experience or your first memory of engaging with technology?
1: Oh, goodness me. Well, in the, God, I'm going to show my age as well now. So that's a bit of a cruel question to, to ask. In the, the, the mid nineties, I worked for a, uh, a food and drink exhibition company in, in, in London, oh, I'm from the UK, by the way, in case you haven't noticed from the accent. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, so I, I worked for a, a company. Um, we ran the largest uh, food and drink exhibition uh, in London at Earl's court at the time. And, uh, uh
0: they Famous used to be a Famous to computer. all Australians, Earl's court. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, old Court? Cool.
1: Yeah. Think of the Sydney ICC, Melbourne Exhibition Centre—huge. Uh, there, there used to be a computer in the in the in the corner of the the office. Uh, we we had a central email address, and you know somebody would come in the office in the morning and turn the computer, as we used to refer to it, uh, the computer on at the beginning of the day, and then somebody else would turn it off at the end of the day. So it, it's that was my introduction to this thing called. Technology, you know everybody had an absolute fear around and wouldn't touch
0: oh, and and how did you go from that to the career of founding a business that is you know focused on marketing of of tech companies?
1: Yeah well I mean it, what what happened I mean i um my my background is, is is sales and marketing. so a friend of mine had just um started working for for Gartner. Uh, Research. So, if you don't know, Gartner, the largest IT research company in the world, uh, and they were looking for uh, for a sales director. So, they you know suggested I went along for for an interview. Um, and I remember going for my interview at Gartner. And to be honest, we had no idea what they did or who they were. Uh, I thought I was going for an interview at a gardening company. So you can imagine <laughs> my responses to their questions. I don't know how I managed to get the job, but the, the interview was actually a video conference interview with their head, of, head office in, in, in the States. And I remember, I mean, this was back in the day. I remember going, you know, meeting uh, in the pub before the interview uh, and someone saying, look, Luli, they ask you a question uh, and you're not sure of the answer. If you, if you move your head really quickly, It will freeze the camera. And then move it again, and it will reactivate and just say, "Does that answer your question?" And I'll be so embarrassed that the technology didn't work that you'll probably get the job. And that's exactly what happened. I got the job. Um, so by using from, that trick,
0: or just because I, I, because I you did, gave I was great just sat there answers the whole
1: time, thinking, "Oh, can I do it now?" But I, I didn't. I didn't. I was very good. <laughs> I was very professional. Um, but yeah, so my you know my my first um, introduction to to technology was through the world leading IT research organisation, and um, to say it was about baptism of firewood would be a, a, a gross understatement so it's I remember you know my, my first you know few days and weeks you know I'm, I'm sitting in rooms with these with these analysts it's the late 90s um, forecast and these analysts forecasting you know this thing called technology and and how it was going to evolve over time and the impact it was going to have on the world and society in, in general now much as I didn't understand the word they were saying it was a completely different language um, I, I felt like I needed to stay and learn because this, if this thing is going to be so important, I want to be a part of it. Um, so, you know, it, it, I buried myself in and, you know, gradually, slowly unpacked the, the language and the acronyms that they were using to, under, to get it to a point where I could understand it and be able to communi- communicate it to a broader community.
0: Mm. And you know the focus of today's episode is looking at diversity. What was the diversity around the table in that room? That I was the
1: diversity with? around the table in that <laughs> room, and, I, and and sadly, thirty years later, that, that often does you know is is still the same. Uh, and and that you know and that was what how I felt as part of my duty and and responsibility to to expand this opportunity beyond. Um the very narrow focus it was it was very male um and it was very middle aged middle class males uh, and I, I remember going to my first um you know big symposium in the south of France, and it was literally two and a half thousand people uh in the room uh, and you know again, I pretty much you know was the you know the diversity in that room um but the the, the what was being talked about. Uh, And this thing called technology, where if you think back then, it was the late 90s, you know, we were using, you know, everyone had a Nokia phone, you know, I think we'd barely started using, you know, SMS. Uh, And they're talking about this thing, you know, this technology world whereby we're going to be communicating and doing banking on, on our devices and it's going to underpin everything. If that is the case, then there's an opportunity here. Uh, and people need that they need someone that can actually you know, communicate that opportunity beyond this demographic. Um, so the you know, my commitment at that point, A to unpack the language that was being used uh, in a way that more people could understand it and adopt it. Uh, and the other was to broaden the opportunity for people outside of that demographic to consider a career in this incredible industry called technology so you know it's you know that was back in the early 2000s i came to australia to help them broaden the the business in in this region and clearly liked it because that was in 2003 and i'm still here Um, but there's many things that haven't changed over that time and that's why the the tech diversity foundation is so important
0: Mm, and we're going to drill down into the work of, of the foundation and also uh, the review that's been announced by the government. But before we, before we do that, can we just start with a foundational question? And I've had a debate with my team about whether this is an easy or a difficult foundational question, you can tell us. Why is diversity important? Because you know, what are the, what's the case for diversity? And I think on the one hand, we talk about it all the time and we talk about it like the case is really obvious. And yet the fact that we're still struggling, uh, as you say, 30 years later to have diversity at the table makes me think maybe we, we need to articulate the benefits more clearly.
1: I mean, it, it, you know, the, the, the real question is, you know, why is difference important? Um, and, you know, the, the analogy I use, and I use it time and time again, I think it, it does resonate with, with people. Um, as I said, I'm from the UK. I grew up in, in, a, in a small town just outside Nottingham called Historical Newark-on-Trent. Uh, my football team, and sorry to use a football analogy for, for people that aren't sporting, but so I think, it, so I think people so do. So, Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so my football team, Nottingham Forest. You know, when I think about Forest in the, you know, not Notts Forest in the seventies and eighties, it was very reflective of the community. It was, you know, it was a very white um, working class football club. Um, the The Football Association in the UK um, in the late eighties, early nineties, um, they went on a mission to become the 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 best football club in the world. Um, and they recognized, you know, they need, if they're going to do that, they had to get the best players from around the world. So this was an association that made a decision to, together. And they had a very audacious goal at the time where the UK wasn't close to being the best football club in the world to, to you know, to change and shift that. What that meant is they they went around the world uh, actively recruiting the best players Actively recruiting the best coaches, the best managers, and bringing them back to the UK and creating an environment for them to to thrive and support this mission of being the best league in the world. If you look at the English Premier League now, it is the best league in the world. That's my unbiased opinion. If you look at the teams that underpin the English Premier League at the moment, you know, it's they're from all the players, the managers are from around the world. So, why is difference important? I think that really hits the mark. If you want to be the best, you have to have the best. And that's the veil, and that's where the diversity piece comes in. You know why why are we settling for mediocre by having you know an industry which is just reflective of one part of the demographic when you can be brilliant and have an industry that was reflective of the whole demographic
0: and especially given that technology is so embedded in everybody's lives the fact that the technology is re- representative of such a small uh rep- part of everybody it's kind yeah. of like a few bodies instead of the everybody's um it's kind of it's madness really so on that madness <laughs> note um uh, moving away from madness, we'll cut that bit out. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Lily, you're, you're the director of uh, Tech Diversity. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the organisation, what your mission is and, you know, the key focuses that you have? Because you have a pretty audacious mission as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our mission is to make diversity, equity, equity and inclusion the number one business priority for Australia. Uh, you know, and we take it beyond that. It should be for the world. It, at the moment, it seems to be this thing that just sits on the side for most organizations. And don't get me wrong. There's some companies that are doing some amazing things. Um, but, you know, if we if we make that a priority, then we know we really are being the best. We're getting the best of the best. And we're being the best possible organisations that we can be. Um, now, the the foundation itself, you know, you know we are volunteers, and there's you know, some amazing people that work on a volunteer basis. The foundation was launched in 2016 to, to broaden the conversation uh, around diversity in the technology sector beyond gender. Uh, there's a lot of programs that are gender focused, which are great. They know, we know that they, you know that there's a need. We've got a challenge with you know females in, in tech, but. If we just focus on gender, you know, the we are not going to get to, to a point of being representative of the society that we sh- that we that we serve, you know. And I talk a lot about diversity beyond gender because you know males are diverse as well, you know, and we've got a lack of diversity within that gender. So you know, we need to broaden that conversation. The so that was the main purpose of the the, the foundation initially was to broaden this conversation around diversity, what it actually really means. The what the 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 the. Main Activity and focus up until the last couple of years has been around the tech diversity awards. Uh, and this is a program that shines a light on initiatives uh, that individuals and companies are, that are already running and doing that are having an impact. Because we think it's important that you know if we can shine a light, like shine a light on, on what's possible, then you know we can you know we can learn and grow from each other and we can raise the standard of the whole industry. So you know that was the main Focus of the you know the the, found the foundation, but we, and, we need to do more to, than that.
0: Sorry to interrupt your flow there. Can you can you just pull out maybe one of the award winners and uh, give an example of someone who's doing something amazing? I think it's always great to have the actual stories.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I'll pull out one. You know, one that comes to mind um, straight away is Specialist Learn, Um and that's a, an organisation that that works with with people. Um, with autism um, so they partner with a lot of organizations to um to help them you know not only in regards to the people placement piece um, but to create you know creating an environment for people with autism and other neurodiverse neuro- people to thrive within their organization so they do all of the the education piece around how do you Change your recruitment style and technique and processes um, to make it an op- you know an option an opportunity for somebody who's neurodiverse to stand a chance of getting of being successful and getting a job in your organisation. So they've done some great uh, programs. You know, a lot of government departments and agencies work with them. I think the the program that won this year was one with New South Wales Department of Transport. So I think you know, Specialist Earn is a great. Example of what's possible when you take the time to understand the you know the, the differences and styles in regards to how we go through the brilliant. process. Thank
0: you for that. Sorry, I interrupted you mid-flow when you were saying, but the awards are not quite no, enough. Fine. So it, please do, otherwise <laughs> no, you won't no, get it's a brilliant in. <laughs> So what else? Uh, you you have the awards, which is kind of the flagship. What else is the the focus for you and your team uh, at the moment?
1: Yeah, I mean the the awarding, It's the it's so the. So just to give you the, the the history, so the awards you know started in two thousand and sixteen. I've been involved in the awards to, you know since date one because you know it's a very important uh and something I'm very passionate about um as an agency, you know, we took over ownership of the the program or the foundation um last year, and the reason being it it got to a point where it needed you know additional support. The conversation I had with the original founders is look, you know it's I, I'd love to. Thank you for the the, the opportunity. Number one, um, but if we're really serious about this thing called diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and serious about you know impact and change, then we need to be talking about it more than once a year. The the awards are great to shine a light on what's possible and what what's actually already happening, but what happens after that? So. We now have three very clear pillars. You know, One is the events pillar where the awards sit and we have community connect events to bring everybody together, very important. We have an implementation pillar uh, and, and this is where we work with uh, and identify companies and individuals that have solutions and services that can help companies on their journey when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because everyone's read the research, the McKenzie's report about being six six times more productive innovative if you've, got, if you've got a diverse workforce. But the how bit is a real challenge. I know, How do I actually get this happening within my business? So, you know, as the foundation, we feel we have a role to play there in bringing the people that can help into the community so you can get access to that and, and start your progression and your improvement. The third pillar is our education pillar, uh, and, and this is where, and I hope we get an opportunity to talk about this more, this is where our research piece sits, and you know, I think there's, you know, I've told you I come from Gartner, I come from a research background, so I believe unless we can measure this thing called diversity, equity, and inclusion, and measure it in business metric term, terms, and measure the impact of change, it's, n- it's not going to get to a point of being a universal practice that we all adopt. So the the research bit is important. Uh, And then lastly, within the education pillar, uh, we have just launched the the Tech Diversity Academy. Uh, And this is a fully immersive learning and development program for individuals, uh, and you know, we, we you know we started off with you know there's been a seventy one percent increase in diversity manager hires globally in the last five years. So companies, you know, companies' answer to the problem is let's get a diversity manager, uh, which is great. It's a start, but you know, it, provided they're not it, just it,
0: making it the diversity manager's problem. <laughs> exactly that, and then they
1: they you know, and what what we're seeing and what the research is telling us so that they're, they're leaving those roles after, on average, after two years because out of sheer frustration uh, of not being able to, to get stuff done. So the, the academy is about, you know, a fully immersive learning program to help, or you know, to change the systems. This isn't about activities. This is really about embedding de in your own organizational strategy. Um, so it's part of the organization, not something that sits on the side. So there, there, there's a lot that we're doing to make this abroad you know to change the landscape uh, and make this uh, an industry which is representative of society
0: so I really, like you, want to drill down into that research, the measurement piece and the education. And before we do that, perhaps we'll just touch on uh, the STEM review, which uh, Ed Huzak, the Minister for Industry, uh, announced after the Jobs and Skills Summit. This was what actually prompted me to reach out to you because I I read a piece that you wrote for uh, Innovation Oz, basically saying we needed to expand the scope of the review. And I thought that was a really interesting and and thought-provoking piece because to have you know, I think the initial impression uh, when you look at a, a announcement of a review like that is that you would expect you know the head of tech diversity to be on board and cheering and you are on board and cheering, um, but also provided some really constructive comments. So could you maybe talk us through what your what your, what you like about the way that the review has been framed and what you would like to see included in the review? Then we can pick up on some of those themes uh, as we start to discuss the 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 how of uh, incorporating diversity and creating that environment in which everyone can thrive. Mm.
1: I mean, I think it's and, and thank. You, I mean, the, the, you know, the review obviously is important because you know they recognise a lot of you know funding has gone into the the STEM side of the the industry and it hasn't delivered uh, in regards to shifting the the gender uh, parity within our sector, but. The the issue that I have is that when we talk about STEM being represent, you know, the tech sector um, being about STEM, we're automatically excluding anybody that doesn't fall into that definition. Um, so the, the the comment that I made when the um, you know when the, the media release came out was by by definition uh, and by reading through that review need. Um, i 'm not included and, uh, and i 'm somebody that's dedicated twenty five plus years to the technology sector and I think it's having an impact and change so the what, what I was calling out with my comments uh, in regards to the you know to the media release from Ed, Ed, minister husick's office is we need to be more inclusive, uh, and you know it, it's you know if we're going to get from this 861,000 to 1.2 million in the tech workforce by 2030, we need to diversify our workforce. So yes. You know the, the STEM-enabled roles are really important, but what about the marketing people? What about the comms people? What about the sales people? What about the finance people? You know, you know, it, it's you know we we need all of these skills and capabilities in our industry to make it thrive uh, and achieve the goals that it's looking to achieve.
0: And so assuming and uh, you know i think uh, the the office has proved to be uh, quite receptive to date they haven't been in power for very long so let's see but assuming that the that your request here to broaden the scope uh, is heard um what do you think some of the best recommendations or or um focuses for the review should be what would you like to see come out of it um
1: i mean it's you know number one you know it's is the review necessary? I mean, we're assuming that the, the the you know a review is necessary, or do we just need to be proactive around doing something different? Um, now, it's the, the the thing that I advocate for most. You know, is understanding the, who we are currently as a workforce. You know, in it is you know the, I've mentioned the numbers already. The eight hundred sixty one thousand, I think, is the what the research tells us the workforce is at the moment, um, and. The, the goal is to get to 1.2 million. The challenge I put in the conversation I have is let's look beyond the number. You know, you know, what is the current diversity makeup of that 861,000? Uh, and let's use that as a strategy to develop, to get to the 1.2 million. Because what we can do, we, we look at the 861,000, who are we? We can compare that with the demographic of Australia and see where there's low or no representation in our communities in that tech workforce. Then we can be intentional about the the the, the, the strategy, but also the, you know the the programs and initiatives that are run to change you know to, to you know to change that and measure the impact of that change. And my question is, you know, do we need you know we know do we need a review or do we need to just change our approach? Um, because you know I think if we, if we if we look at it and uh, and we have a lens which says we want our industry to be representative of the society that we serve, then doesn't that fix all the other stuff
0: yeah, I mean, I guess the review, so yes, I think it does. I guess the review is trying to get from what I understand it is trying to get an understanding of the effectiveness of the current programs with a view to uh, I assume then diverting funding from those programs into something different. So trying to actually understand, I think there's this figure of 100 million dollars being spent on programs. Uh, could that 100 million dollars be better spent? And in that sense, I probably I, I do have some empathy for the fact that you do need to review what's currently being yeah, done Yeah, 100. When justify, you talk about yeah, yeah. 100. percent.
1: And yeah, it, it's exactly it's. I mean, it's a big. It, it's you know, it's it's a significant amount of funding. So. Why didn't it work? You know, why did it not deliver the you know the the outcomes that we're looking for? What can we change to shift that? Because like, like the STEM bit is really important. You know, we can't discount that and the the, the needs, you know you know the females in that particular area. Um, but you know, if if we just you know if, if we're looking at that as the the mechanism um, to drive the digital skills which are needed in the tech workforce of the future, then we're we're, we're missing we're missing a huge segment of our, of our of society which is needed to actually get to that number so i think yes let's do the review uh and, and see you know what you know what funding can maybe be channeled somewhere else around that but i don't know in my you know reviews take time what can we be doing <laughs> you know what can what, what what proactive initiative can we be doing in the meantime
0: yeah and and i 100% agree i think like you when i look at that review and the framing of the review as it currently is it would it excludes the work that you're doing it would also exclude the work that my team and i are doing uh, because we sit within technically we sit within the college of law uh, within uh, the australian national university um we physically sit within uh, the college of computer science so it's it's a, a recognition of that broader contribution that is made um and you know we talk about technology and we have about technology being embedded in our lives, and actually, all of the disciplines are impacting onto the technology sector. So, what do you think has is the barrier to looking at this through the lens only of STEM? How do we actually, um, you know, allow governments or uh, others to take that step back uh, and see the the bigger? I, 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 think,
1: I think honestly, the, the, the barrier is us. is the industry. Like we, you know, I, I say a lot that we, we, we have an identity crisis. Like people outside of tech don't consider careers in tech. Um, people outside of tech don't have a full understanding of the scope of the opportunity of a career in tech. You know, we do a terrible job as an industry uh, in regards to promoting what tech, a tech career looks like. So it, you know, I, I think as industry, you know, we're, we're the barrier in regards to how we're communicating what this opportunity is to key stakeholders like government. So, you know, it's so you know, you know, who where's the voice that's you know in, in a really meaningful, impactful way is is changing that dialogue around the you know what the industry requirement is. Um, so I think you know it's it you know where is the the campaign that's you know really lobbying for this amazing career in tech uh, for every Australian you know you know it, it's you know I think you know if if they see that and they hear that then people start to uh, go, oh that sounds interesting let me you know, you know, maybe there is an opportunity for me in in the technology sector but I, I never see anything of that magnitude um, that really draws people in uh, to an understanding of what this industry is beyond what they, um, they, they perceive it to be, which is the STEM engineering type developer um, uh, industry.
0: Yeah, and the the moving away from this perception that technology only to be in the tech sector you have to be a technical person um, exactly. It's so much broader. Yeah,
1: we, like- we 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 launched the so with the the awards program this year we we launched um because the awards program is very um, um uh, industry category focused so there's a business category, government, education, awkward stuff, um but we we launched um, a tech for good. Um, category this year and the reason why we did that, one of the main reasons we did that is because people don't draw the correlation between their values and what's important to them in their everyday life and the role that technology plays. Um, so the, the the subcategories for that were, you know, environmental impact, social impact, social impact, health and well-being, uh, accessibility and inclusion. Uh, and the story that went was that was that we need people that understand the problems in these areas to be part of the design of the solution. Uh, so you know, to you know, to shift that perception. That techno- you know, that, that being in the industry is all about being a technologist. Um, you know, where are the you know the experts? You know, the 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 artists, the people that can help design solutions. But I've definitely been in environments where you know the tech has you know you know the tech's been designed by one particular part of the demographic without taking into consideration other parts of the demographic, so it doesn't work for everybody. Um, so you know, th- this is you know, th- this is these are the stories that we need to start telling to broaden the understanding of what our industry is really about.
0: Absolutely and I, I think I saw the Tech Council uh, put out uh, a few pieces, um, they did a few profiles earlier this year which is starting to do that but nothing on the scale of what you're talking about nor necessarily in the diversity that you're talking about. I love this idea of a national campaign uh, for your career uh, in the tech sector and a career for all Australians because I really do believe that is the direction that we're, we're moving in. I, In my previous job I used to say, Um, that uh, cyber diplomacy was just going to become diplomacy and I think when we're talking about the tech sector or you know being a tech marketer or focused on tech policy you know it is going to evolve to a point where there isn't a distinguishment between um, tech marketing and marketing or tech policy and policy. We do Mm -hmm. need to develop those skills and bring people along on the journey so um, I Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we do that that education piece Um, but the the end goal we will be that this is something that all Australians, all people um, uh, can speak to with a degree mm. of sophistication and not be afraid of this idea of technology.
1: I, I, I physically see it when, you know, when I've, you know, I'm at a dinner party and people ask what you do uh, and I excitedly as I work in the technology sector and you see them shut down like <laughs> because of the perception around what that really means. Yeah,
0: yeah. whilst reaching for their phone uh, or getting into their <laughs> yeah, car <exactly>. with their <laughs> GPS. E- exactly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we've spoken a little bit about the government Review. You also speak very eloquently about the role for business and community. So maybe you can, you can tell us a, a little bit more about what you're calling for business and, and community leaders to be doing uh, from a diversity perspective.
1: Mm. And I think you know. I think you know. Business and community play a, a big part and a big role. Uh, and I think you know which you know what comes first: the business part or the, the community piece. Um, I think it, it's up to business to to engage community around the opportunity because if people don't know what what they don't know, if as a business, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I would love it to happen as an industry, but say if as a business. Do you make a decision that you want to be representative of the society that you serve, representative of the customers that you rely on. Then, what are the you know, how are you going to actuate that with communities? So I think you know, funding, uh, you know, needs to go into local communities to, and again, it, it could be you know, simple ad campaigns. Um, what are the industry groups on the ground, uh, the community groups on the ground that you can be working with, with you know disadvantaged groups, minority groups, to create a pathway for them to come into your organisation? So I think you know biz- business has a huge role to play in that. They have the, they have the need and it's, it's, they've got the funds, but importantly they have the need. Like you know there, there's a, there's a skills shortage. That we have in our industry. Uh, so you know, unless you change your approach, we can't equal or keep going to the same people and stealing people from other companies. We, we've got to create a new career talent pool
0: on the ground with communities. And measure it as well, which I think um, to come to measure come back it. to that. Yeah,
1: measure it. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you if you've come across um, the Diversity Atlas. Platform, and I'm, I'm going I will give them a shameless plug, but I think people need to understand the potential this gives us as not just for the tech sector, industry on the whole. I mean, you know, if the you know, United Nations, are, it's good enough for United Nations, they're using them. I think it's good enough for us. Um, so it, it, it's the the Diversity Atlas platform is the most comprehensive tool I've seen to help organisations, governments understand who they are and you know it's the data sets that sit behind this platform um so you know it you know every first nations language every mob every religion world belief It's insane so it doesn't matter who you are when you participate in one of their studies you will be represented you're not ticking other uh you will be represented so the richness of information you get around who you're people are, you know, how can you really claim to be fully inclusive and serving your you know your workforce really well if you've got no idea who they are. Yeah. You know, we, we do it on the front end with our customers. We spend, you know, there's a reason why marketing automation tools is a multi-billion dollar industry, because we want to know everything about our customers, what they're doing, when they're doing it, how they're doing it, so we can sell much more stuff to them and, and, and find loyalty. But when it comes to our workforce, who apparently is our most important asset, we know nothing about our people. So, you, know, you know, to really create a fully inclusive environment. So the call out that I have to, to business, to, to government, to the tech association, like the tech council is let's understand who we are as an industry uh, and let's understand how that compares to the demographic. We can pull in third party data very easily to do that comparison and let's drive use that to drive the strategy, which I mentioned before, and measure the impact of change. Like having that data driven insight for impacting change is what's going to make the difference. Otherwise, I don't want to be here in another 10, 20 years time, you know, having the same conversation. And I think that unless we're intentional, like the English Premier League, uh, in working together as an industry to prioritize this to be the best we can be, we're not going to get there.
0: And the diversity atlas that you're describing there, is that basically a tool that's available that uh, organizations can use to understand the diversity of their own organizations? Or is it something that goes into sort of a central database?
1: No, no, no. It, it's, you know, no, I mean, it, both. I mean, it's, you know, AWS have just done a, a huge global study of their workforce with diversity atlas. So, yes, it's something that individual companies can use. With my di- tech diversity hat on, you know, I want to understand the diversity makeup of our industry. Um, so, you know, what, what I'm calling for is the industry to come together, you know, the, you know the, uh, and participate in a national study so we can understand who we are. That, that, that's my big call out. So, you know, whether that comes through the Tech Council, whether it comes through the, the, the federal government, whether it comes through, let's recognize we need to come together as an industry and understand who we are and then be intentional about who we want to be.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so powerful to have that baseline metrics. There's no excuse not to have it. It measures change over time, but as you say, it also then provides you with the ability to measure impact over time, which then builds the case uh, for for, uh, diversity uh, over time as well. So I'm going to add my voice to that, uh, that call for action. You you said you were going to shamelessly plug uh, the Diversity Atlas. I would also like you to shamelessly plug uh, the Diversity Pledge that you have, um, which in advance I will say Uh, the Tech Policy Design Centre has just taken this afternoon. Bravo, thank you very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the the, the pledge to get to half a million pledges by 2025, it's people, the the, the conversation around diversity, equity, and inclusion sometimes can see like a big conversation, you know, and people, you know, shy away from it and, and don't know where to begin. The diversity, the Tech Diversity Pledge is a small step that we encourage every company, every every individual to do. And it's it's recognizing the influence and impact you can have as an individual uh, in regards to improving the inclusion within your company. So and it's you know we give you know little, small things that you can do on a daily basis. So and you know the one that, that I always have loved and still love is you know speaking to someone in the company that you haven't spoken to before. Uh, and it, it you know the step because it, it's we you know we're creatures of habit um you know we we tend to talk to the people that, we're, that are like us uh that we relate to yeah, so you know it's you know stepping outside of that so, you know, you'll be surprised you know the connections that you can make easily with people that you would never have considered speaking to before so it's things like that that we want to encourage individuals to do uh, but then also you know encourage other people there or you know with their companies to do it as well so it, it's it's starting the understanding around this thing called diversity, but also the role that you know, I have a role to play as well. It's not just about the senior leadership team in the senior I have a role. We all have a role to play in this
0: and and one of the um, one of the ones the the uh, elements of the pledge that jumped out to me you referred to talk to someone you haven't spoken to in an organization like mine with it we, we, we sort of speak to each other intimately on a daily basis that one doesn't quite apply but I I thought that the one that uh, I really love is the idea to assign gatekeepers during meetings to take stock of who is heard in the meetings to observe who is interrupted who is silent who's been invited or left out when important decisions are made and you know I fear that I'm going to be the one who does the most interrupting so this is going um, <laughs> to backfire on me but You're I love left out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly but I I mean I love this and so you know I really would encourage people we'll put a link uh in, in the pod notes but I really would pe- encourage people to have a look at it there are sort of the personal things you can do but also the things you can do at, a, at an organizational level and I think it's really practical um the other piece that I wanted to jump out uh pull out is we've you've spoken a little bit at the start about the education piece equipping people for impact. Uh, I I find often in the conversation around diversity it focuses on the need for increased representation without recognition of we need to be providing um support to encourage um, diversity in an inclusive way um, that that there is often when you when you, create when you go from being sort of a homogenous workforce to a more diverse workforce, that can actually create tension. Um, And so what I'm really interested in when you're talking about the education piece uh, and the work you're doing to assist organisations to uh, implement the how of diversity, um, if you can speak a little bit more about the tools that you have um, to make uh, diversity be a success, that it's something that, you know, we do have to work to.
1: Oh, I, I love that you um, think that I'm, a, a, you know, the practitioner here. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, you've got better, you have better practical advice than most, so don't underestimate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the, the fact that, you know, if someone has a diverse workforce, that, that's part of the the challenge fixed, right? You know, then it comes to the inclusive bit. Uh, which would be great, but you know, I'm not going to claim to to have all the answers around that. But what I would say, um, you know, this is what the the Tech Diversity Academy is all about. Um, you know, so bringing together those experts and those minds to help organisations in those those areas. So if there's one thing I can say, and I, and I will again, another shameless plug, the, the Tech Diversity Academy. The first program starts um, the 17th of October. Look within the organisation that needs to be part of that community. We should all be part of it. Uh, but this is where you're going to get the really practical tools, frameworks, and methodologies to help you with all of these things. Mm-hmm.
0: And I just it I can't underscore how happy I am that this work is being done and that exists. I I get asked to be on panels all the time. Uh, it used to be cyber, women in cyber, now it's women in tech and you know, and my pet peeve on these panels is you go on the panel and they're like, Okay, we've had this great discussion and the conclusion of the discussion is we need more diversity, women diversity in tech or women in tech. And so I, I love the fact that you're working on you know the practical methodologies and the tools uh, to help actually make this a reality and then there's the measurement piece also that, that we've spoken about. Lily we're, we're coming up to time so can I we have two final questions for you one of them is around the advice that you would give someone who is considering a field, a career in tech broadly defined what what do you know now that you wish you had have known at the start of uh, your career you know you wish someone had have told you 15 years ago
1: oh goodness me I did think about the 15 years ago what would I think I would uh, you know buy shares in in, in one of the hyperscalers uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, you know it's let, let's face it right you know you know you, you, it's money you know five gives you opportunity to you know to open up and extend the doors and pathways for others like you know if i bought you know if i bought shares in all of those hyperscalers and a lot of shares the, the funds that we would have then do not have to rely on government you know you know to be able to you know have that impact that i know that we can have as an industry and drive it so you know it's if i had invested in all of those hyperscalers 15 years ago, then I, you know, we'd be seeing a significant difference in impact and impact in change and the speed of change when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion in tech. Because I'd I'd be coming at it from the point of, this is an industry that supported me in an amazing life, and I want as many people as possible to have that experience. Uh, but would do, you
0: or would you have just become like one of those corrupt one of these people who not corrupt that's the wrong word but one of these people who makes a lot of money and then goes and lives on a private island or something like no, I I'm not
1: You're talking you're talking to a woman that uh was born in Nigeria adopted um by an English woman and a Scotsman and grew up in middle England. I was born lucky. I saw what my life could have been. Uh, and, and I, i've seen the opportunities that i've been f- afforded by luck so you know when they, when they say pay it forward no like you know it, it, it's you know it, it's it's i genuinely believe that it's an incredible industry and you know we're doing an injustice to many minority groups uh, many people in society by not making it accessible to them so that campaign that i was talking about i would do the best campaign, like everybody'd be knocking on the door for tech with the campaign. I would like Nike and Coke would be like, that campaign that's been run by tech diversity, we need some of that. That's what I would do. <laughs>
0: Just do it for the tech industry. I love it. I love it. Fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. And the final question that we ask people, uh, all of our guests, is what would you recommend our listeners uh, to to read or get involved in? Obviously, there's the Academy, recommend the Pledge to Everybody, um, uh, the Diversity Atlas. Uh, these are all excellent resources that we'll we'll add links to. Is there anything that you, that you have read that has particularly informed uh, or shaped your thinking or any, anything you would recommend for others?
1: A hundred percent. Read the innovation papers. Yes, yes, um, great. So this is you know, it is. I did think it could be. It's so the innovation papers for those you know listeners that, that haven't come across it. Mm-hmm. This was launched last month in, in Canberra by James Wiley and and Corey McLeod. What I love about the innovation papers is it reframes the definition of innovation. I think when people hear innovation again, they presume we're talking about technology, uh, as opposed to innovation in thinking, innovation in processes. I think you know it's you know you know I'm I'm not going to say you know Brene Brown or you know you know but you know reading the innovation papers is a real insight to the opportunity that is being put forward and the diverse you know thinking around innovation that's being put forward to challenge and improvement for our society and economy as a whole. So you know I for me you know you know in regards to the you know inspirational things that I've read in the last the last few months. The innovation papers blew me away. So you know, well done to Innovation Office for doing that. But everybody, you know, read the innovation paper.
0: Brilliant. I agree. I hundred percent endorse that recommendation. Um, and for those who are looking at looking for a, a slightly. Uh, uh, interesting, more diverse telling of the history of the internet. I would recommend Claire L. Evans' "Broadband," "Broadband" being two separate words, which sort of tell, retells the story of the invention of the internet. But writes it's predominantly uh, rewriting women back into the story, so it's not the the breadth of diversity that we've been talking about in this discussion. But it's a really well written book that I would uh, highly recommend. So I'll pop that one on the table as well for for everybody.
1: I, I, can I just say one last of point? Of course, uh, you, know, you know, great. In regards to, make really, you know, if we're, we're talking about impact and change, the the Biden administration last year, uh, you know, you know, they they, they they put forward an executive order which says that you know the Aust- the the, the, um, the U.S. government has to be reflective of the American society. So their diversity, inclusion, accessibility, accessibility strategies around the U.S. government workforce being representative of the American population. Now, if our government took an approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion of that nature, then all of a sudden... The things that uh, we've become increasingly frustrated about go away. We get there together as a society. So I I would love someone to be bold enough in our government to to take a, a leaf out of the U.S. government and make that a priority.
0: I agree. And we'll put a link to that executive order uh, in the pod notes as well. And we'll make sure that we um, we send this with a extract of the uh, the uh, call to action uh, to the relevant officers uh, and also to uh, the heads of some of our industry associations as well. Thank you so much, Lulu, for a great conversation. Uh, look forward to working with you more uh, on the excellent work that you're doing.
1: Fantastic. Thank you very much, Joanna, to you and the team.
0: It's been brilliant. So thank you. Thank you. Bye. See uh, <laughs> Tech Mirror is a podcast of the Tech Policy Design Centre at the Australian National University. This episode was produced on Ngunnawar lands by Jack Fox. Ben Gowdy provided invaluable research and post-production support. If you would like to support the pod, please give us a five star rating or even better, leave us a short review. This really helps us to get the word out. We also love it when you send us questions or comments, we read them all. You can find out more by following us on Tech Policy Design on Twitter or LinkedIn or Google Tech Policy Design Centre and follow the links. Thanks for listening. Get in touch and get involved.